Justin. It's Mo. How are you? I'm doing good, Mo. How are you? I'm great. And you know what? I'm stoked for this long weekend with all the social distancing restrictions starting to lift. But I have to ask you, is it official? Did BC flatten the curve? I mean, we flattened the curve about a month ago. What we've been doing since then is maintaining it pretty well. You know, hospitalizations seem to be pretty static overall. They're going down for critical care, which is good. Active cases in the province have hovered around, you know, five to 700 for a long time now. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can debate the, the, the reasons why or how, you know, flat the curve is, but, uh, or the cases that haven't been officially confirmed in different places. But it seems that, you know, it's been a while now that we've done a good job of uh, flattening that curve and preventing a giant outbreak in BC that we've seen everywhere else. The tricky thing now is how do you manage to maintain that for three, six, nine, 12 months without a vaccine while still still allowing people to go outside and enjoy their (laughs) to an extent. And that's, you know, that's going to be the tricky thing for this weekend coming up and for a lot of weekends in the future. Yeah, now there are still a lot of COVID cases being reported in the rest of the country, especially Quebec. So what was it that we did in BC that made us so successful, relatively speaking? I mean, if we knew that for certain, right, if you could bottle that up and sell it, you would have a lot of rich people quickly. What we can (laughs) say is that there were a lot of things that were unique in BC that sort of came together. We started uh, really testing this and really researching this and really wrapping our heads around this on a provincial-wide level uh, from health officials to government to even large members, large sections of the public, not in March, but in February and even late January. Uh, we, got hmm. lucky, we got lucky with a, with a later spring break, which meant that you know, in Quebec, of course, we heard so many people went and vacationed while this, it was still fine to travel around the world. Then they came back and it drastically increased community transmission then. Uh, we simply had the fact uh, that because we were testing, you know, everyone talked for a long time on how BC wasn't testing a lot of people, but in fact, BC was testing more per capita than pretty much everyone in the world in early March when it really mattered, when we were starting to see these giant spreads in a lot of different jurisdictions because people oh, had wow. no idea who had the virus whatsoever. BC had a decent uh, idea at that time. But, you know, there's lots that we don't know. And I think this is a general theme with uh, the virus because it is a virus. We can't see exactly how it spreads and uh, what activity is, is that we always want certainty and being able to say it was because of this or it was because of that. Uh, but here we have a collection of pieces of evidence that we can say, all right, there might be some causality there, but there's nothing that we can definitively say and prove. And, you know, people have to sort of live with that uncertainty. So we can give ourselves a pat on the back, a limited one, but we can't, I don't think we can really point to any one thing or any combination of things and say that's the reason why. And the other thing too is there's luck involved, right? Despite everything Mm -hmm. we did, uh, all it would have taken is one or two, you know, you've heard these cases in South Korea or Chicago or plenty of other places where it's like it's one person, right? 
and they unwittingly hug a bunch of people at a funeral and then they go and eat at a buffet somewhere and then they go to a birthday party and they spread it to 20, 30, 40, 50 people. We never had a situation like that. And we could have, right, quite easily, just the same as everywhere else. So a, a bit of luck, a bit of different circumstances, but also to just a bit of the unknown. And I feel like BC had a, a bit of an interesting strategy where we sort of hoped that people would opt into social distancing. Because aside from restaurants or gyms being closed, it's not like there were curfews or a ton of visible enforcement happening. So I feel like the government kind of pulled off this social psychology trick and everyone bought into it. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I called it a Jedi mind trick on Twitter. <laughs> because it's, it was funny, right? Where I would have friends that would say, well, we're not allowed to do this activity or we're unlocked. There's this restriction in place. And I was like, no, there's not a restriction, actually. These things are technically legal. Um, but you're right, it's the social psychology. There was an attempt to get everyone to understand the guidelines and get people to buy into them. And it became very powerful at a certain uh, point. And part of this is group dynamics. You know, if uh, there's one person in your group that wants to do lots of things, but the other nine are like, no, I'm not sure, then those Mm. activities don't happen, right? But it was a real situation and continues to be, right? With the new reopening up that we have where there's not a set rule of how many people you can have over to your house for a dinner party, right? Um, There's not a set rule in terms of how much time, you know, who you're allowed to hug. There's these guidelines in place. There's this effort on education uh, and awareness and encouragement over enforcement. And you can question the merits of it to a certain point. Well, why shouldn't we have rules that wouldn't that work out? And it's like, well, It's worked out so far in BC and we haven't seen any, you know, we've certainly seen people angry and anxious on social media about certain things, but we haven't had any giant rallies or huge face-to-face conflicts over things. So I think, you know, the government can be reasonably assured in what it's doing because it's that sort of strategy has worked so far. Right. And can we attribute that success of all of our, opting in or are buying into social distancing to Dr. Henry in the province. Like, I'm just wondering how that Jedi mind trick was successfully pulled off. Like, I understand that we bought into it, but was it because they were clearly able to communicate the seriousness or maybe it was that sort of vague sense that people erred on the side of caution as opposed to thinking that there were hard and fast rules? Yeah, I mean, it's because in BC, we're all so unfriendly to each other, right? That's <laughs> No, I, I think part of it is that, uh, you know, the advice came from Bonnie Henry and local health officials, and that certainly helps. It depoliticized it. I think part of it is because it was happening very early as well. But then I think part of it just became, uh, you know, it built its own momentum that when people could see that what was happening in BC was working, it encouraged people to get on board and it encouraged people to stay on board, right? Mm. Um, It's hard to follow rules if you're told don't do something and then you don't do it and the bad thing still happens, right? 
Um, right. That include, you know, whether you're three years old or 30 or 60, uh, there's a little bit of your mind then that goes, well, what's the whole point of this? But because BC saw pretty immediate results, you know, we have the two week lagging period with cases, but after, you know, two weeks after we went into sort of our unofficial quasi lockdown on March 17th, when an official public emergency was declared, we started to see new cases leveling off. And then another two weeks after that, we started to see them go down. People, I think, were able to go, okay, I can, I can see what's happening here. I can see that the, the benefits that they're promising are happening. And, you know, it's put us in good stead. You know, the question and, you know, the concern for the government became, okay, people can buy into this at a very strict level for two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. We know that it's sort of impossible to tell people to do this at this level for months and months and months. So where's that period where we can relax some restrictions while still keeping BC safe? And, you know, they've sort of chosen this point that we're in right now. Uh, Mid-May, they kept saying without putting an explicit time on it. And Mm -hmm. you, you hope they've made that calculus correct. Yeah, and I guess that's my next concern. Do you think people are going to go wild this long weekend with some of these restrictions lifted? Because most people I talk to are not clear on what this means. Like, they're not clear on whether a group of six means you can only see the same six people, if offices will require everyone to go back to work physically. Most people I talk to are still really unsure. Yeah, it's and it's fascinating in a sense of it's it's this giant social experiment where everyone will have to set their own tolerance levels and guidelines, right? The government has put these out. So to answer your question about six, you know, is it the same six people? It isn't. Um, but you know, the government has said don't meet with five people one day and then different five people the next and then a different five people the day after that. Because if you are, if you do have the virus and, but you are asymptomatic, that uh, could, could have uh, hugely negative effects. But in terms of this weekend, you know, I think because of that, a lot of people will be cautious, but mm-hmm. frankly, there will be some people who won't, right? Um, yeah. uh, who will take advantage of it. And I think the trick for people to keep in mind is a couple things. One is that, you know, we hear the government talk a lot now that they started to a month ago, but now really this whole reduce things by six by 60%, right? Or have, sorry, have 60% of normal. We were at 30%, we can go up to 60%. And in mm. what that will actually mean is some people will go up to 70 or 80%. And some people will keep at 30 or 40%, right? It's that overall average of 60 that is what Right. And so I think if we ask everyone to be responsible and don't go crazy, then that will help mitigate the outliers who, you know, for whatever reason are going to throw caution to the wind. That being said, in terms of uh, the long weekend, right, we saw this over the Easter break where people saw people <clears throat> outside and uh, they saw people in, on BC ferries and they saw license plates from Alberta and everyone presumed the worst was going to happen. But in fact, cases went down, the number of hospitalizations stayed flat, even on Vancouver Island. I think we do have to give British Columbians so far a lot of credit for, as a whole, you know, the five million of us uh, listening to the guidelines and not get 
you know, too high dungeon over the 200 or 300 people that we see on social media that are not following that. But it's tough because sure. that's, that's the thing that we see, right? We can't see the virus and how it spreads. We can see the 15 people, you know, on a beach clearly not obeying physical distancing rules. So what's the thing that we yeah. can grab to? It's that. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that insight, but I also have to ask you before I let you go, are yeah. you going to give up your watch from your balcony? Are you going to give up that watch post? You know, I'm still, I'm still watching into, you know, for the past, for the past month, it's been pretty good people you know, the amount of soccer games, I think there's, I've only seen like one or two that have been full on full energy contact, what you're not supposed to do. Uh, but, you know, it was, it, it, you know, it was a weird thing where when this first started, it's just, I had already sort of started working from home and I was looking for something to do. And I remember Adrian Dix was saying, everyone needs to, you know, stay inside as much as possible when it was full on, you know, do everything you can. And I was looking outside and seeing people continue to play soccer. And so, you know, I put it online and the internet does at a certain point. But <laughs> there's, also, there's also diminishing returns, right? Because the point of doing that, God, now almost two months ago was mm -hmm. an example of that, an activity that people still are unsure about, but the government has said, no, you shouldn't do. And here's an example of it. And so, you know, I thought it's helpful at this point to show this is something you shouldn't do and uh, to create that conversation going. I think at this point, people are well aware that large soccer games where you're tackling one another and you're close to each other and you're sweating isn't a smart thing to do, even in this new normal period. And so me posting another video online and making a joke about being a soccer cop is going to have a smaller <laughs> effect than four <laughs> or five weeks ago. But again, Err on this side of uh, caution. I, you know, I have talked to friends because, you know, they ask just like you did, can I do this activity? Can I do th that? And I, a lot of times I say, well, yeah, if you really wanted to, you could play a soccer game with a lot of people and keep, you know, do things to keep physical distancing. But also, what's the point? You're putting some people yeah. at risk. Uh, you're making a lot of people around you anxious. And at the end of the day, soccer will still be here when this all ends, right? Um, mm -hmm. uh, there's some things in our lives that are going to change after this and things that won't be around as much. You'll still be able to have a group of friends, bring a ball and kick it through a net. Uh, and <laughs> just wait a couple of months, maybe, because you can still have that. But no, I mean, it's... <laughs> One of those things where it's funny where the internet takes things, right? Totally. I love it. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you taking my call. I appreciate the insights. Stay healthy and, and all the best. I look forward to your future reporting on this as well. Hey, thanks. And one thing I should mention, because I forgot in terms of the things that help BC, I forgot at the very beginning, uh, the decision to keep uh, healthcare workers and uh, community care centers with folks uh, one, staff members not being able to move between them. That's something BC did very early on. Everyone says that had a huge effect of not creating big community transmission, particularly in old age homes. Right. You know, I think that's a really good point. And it'll be interesting to see how we analyze this after it's all over. And we analyze the different jurisdictions and what they did and what was successful and, and what wasn't successful. 
Yeah, I mean, there's so much data out there. There's, you know, a tricky, tricky thing for me is always figuring out what data is most important in the moment and what can be compared to different provinces and what can't. But uh, this is a worldwide uh, initiative right now with so many data points, the likes of which we've never seen. And so we're going to get a whole lot of valuable information in the long term that'll help, help us with public health. Uh, but we've got to get through this first. Totally. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, thanks again for taking my call. Uh, we'll chat soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Mo. All right. Have a good one. Cool. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.